Welcome to Bayer Cropcast with your technical field representatives from right around Australia. In this Cropcast, we'll give you a quick wrap-up of the season at hand and things to look out for, including events coming up around you and everything related to agronomy and growing healthy crops. We are passionate about the future of agriculture and crop protection, and we look forward to having you join us on Bayer Cropcast. Welcome to Bayer Cropcast for June 2019. I'm joined here with my colleague over in the Eastern States, Gus McLennan. How are you, Gus? Great, thanks, Whitey. How are you doing? Yeah, really good. Now, Gus, you're the technical field representative over in New South Wales. Can you just describe the area that you work around, Gus? Yeah, so I'm, I'm based in Wagga and uh, about 100 kilometres from north of the Victorian border and work primarily in southern New South Wales from, from Dubbo south, uh, we're a mixed cropping and um, livestock area, so uh, predominantly winter crop, but uh, rely heavily on irrigation in summer for, for some summer crop, uh, but quite a diverse area around here, Whitey. Yeah, really interesting and diverse for sure. So yeah, look, Gus, just for listeners out there, you know, what, what's really going on in the area that you're, you know, working around at the moment in terms of, you know, planting, trial work, that sort of thing, just the general picture for listeners and any key messages or things they should be aware of at the moment? Yeah, so... We've had a pretty good run over the last three or four weeks with sowing, and we're, I'd imagine, 80 to 90% complete now. Um, most growers, there's a few who have packed the gear away already and have finished up early. Um, but we've had reasonable moisture. Uh, the south has certainly been more fortunate in that respect um, through central New South Wales, kind of Parks, Forbes area, still really looking out for some decent rain to get get their crops kicked along and give them a bit more confidence but in the south here and down just over the border we're, we're looking pretty good at the moment um we've had a change in the weather a dramatic change in the weather in the last few days and uh, we're now got this arctic breeze coming through which is dragging through some showers uh, which is welcome very much so uh, not a lot of uh, volume in the rainfall totals coming out of that change um but it's welcome nonetheless I suppose with that uh, could bring some issues. Uh, certainly this drizzly cold weather is ideal for blackleg to start firing off and there are plenty of uh, early um, canola crops at that two to four leaf stage at the moment, so we'll need to monitor those over the next little while. Gus, what are, what are some of the you know, things that growers should be looking out for and what will they do if they do detect sort of blackleg issues around? So obviously if you're in a situation where your crop is at the right growth stage, you need to check on the, the uh, resistance grouping in terms of genetics for that variety, um, rotational history, proximity to previous year's stubbles and so on, and then obviously what the forecast looks like too in terms of, of potential spore showers. And and if those all line up and, and put you in a high risk and, and using tools like the crop alert um, disease predicting model that we have available um, you target those crops at that kind of four leaf stage ideally uh, with a foliar fungicide yeah. such as Pizarro or Aviator. Excellent yeah and there's plenty of information at that crop alert and I think that'll be uh, a lot more we'll talk about that in the next podcast as we go forward Gus. Gus you've been pretty busy with getting trial work down on the ground and uh, what sort of things you've been up to and what are some messages out of that that you're hoping to yeah, provide to customers out there? Uh, well, I'd be probably 90% through my trial program at the moment. Just got a few uh, late legume trials to go in. But um, 
the mix of trials that I've got this year really range from pre-emergent work, um, looking at some really exciting new chemistry that we've got in our pipeline as well. We've got some black leg work, obviously with um, Truflex coming into our stable, some really good comparisons of different uh, canola systems with Truflex. Um, the legume work I just mentioned will be uh, legume inoculant work, comparing uh, various inoculants in field peas and chickpeas. And with this dryish start, that should really, um, should hopefully bear some fruit. Fantastic. Uh, and, and this year, most of my trials are actually at tomorrow. So I have a trial hub at tomorrow, which is um, midway kind of between Wagga and Forbes and uh, planning on running some field day sites there and, and showcase some of what's happening in, in Bayer. Oh, that'll be really interesting in some of those things like TrueFlex Canola, that really flexible timing and, and what have you and application you know um, techniques or ways you can, number of applications you can make. It's really interesting coming in from the Monsanto um, acquisition that Bayer made and also the tag team inoculant and we have talked about these on previous Bayer crop casts and we'll update even further. Um, like Gus, you know, just in terms of the pre-emergent work too, I assume Sakura would be in there, you know, what should listeners, you know, in your area at the moment um, be aware of, I suppose, with the seasonal conditions that you're currently experiencing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Sakura, we had another another great year with Sakura so far and I suppose the watch outs from here are we are getting these very small rainfall totals, these three, five, seven mil rainfall events, which aren't really probably all that favourable in terms of washing the Sakura off stubbling into the soil. We really need that 10 to 15 mil rainfall event. So uh, if you haven't used, say, uh, Sakura with trifluralin, that will protect against some germinations coming up then um, keep an eye on those paddocks over the next month or so and, and be aware that under those conditions we can see some escapes. But hopefully uh, we're only we're not far away from that 10 or 15 mil rainfall event, which will still um, have the potential to rescue us if we are in that situation. Yeah, sure. And great resources and information about those topics at our sakuraherbicide.com.au website. A lot of fact sheets and training videos or explanation videos there. And yeah, same over here in the West, you know, very cold and dry at the moment in the southern part where I am. And certainly uh, dry, dry is not a bad situation with Sakura because it will be there when it does wet up. But yeah, certainly we don't want too much of that light rainfall. Uh, let's just get a decent one, Gus. Yeah, fingers crossed. Absolutely. So, Gus, there's a lot of uh, pastures going in and around your area. So, what are some of the things people need to look at there as well? That's right, Whitey. Um, with the uh, livestock prices the way they are, there's been a bit of a swing back to pasture, which is great. And um, with these colder conditions that are starting to eventuate now, really need to be on the eye out for um, mite damage. Um, of hearing reports of ballistium and bryobia mite around the place and no doubt with a few frosts uh, we'll start to see a few red legs as well. Um, and the other thing with establishing those pastures is that's really critical is making sure you're on top of your early season weed control. So say coming in early in your grass and legume pastures uh, with something like jaguar to make sure you've got really good control because I've noticed a lot of cape weed around this year. And um, that's critical to getting these these long-term pastures established correctly. Yeah, absolutely. Good advice there as well. And uh, you'd be only too happy, of course, to uh, talk to anyone about those issues. And Gus, probably just the final thing would be, you know, with early crops coming up, cereal crops I'm talking about, wheat and barley, 
um, you know, we want to get the weeds out of the way. So, you know, is that likely in your area, some of these early crops and what can growers and listeners out there do about that? Yeah, certainly. Um, the early, early grazing type crops will be looking, probably have stock turned in on them in the next couple of weeks. But majority of the main season wheats will just be starting to come out of the ground now, which is really an ideal opportunity to, um, especially where weeds such as radish are a problem, is come in nice and early with some some softer chemistry such as velocity uh, to take that that first flush of weeds out using some chemistry that perhaps hasn't been mainstream in this side of the country. Um, so, yeah, we've done a lot of resistance testing over the last couple of years and yeah, it's scary how many populations we tested that have come back with positive resistance results to groups B, F and I um, and, and in some cases multiple groups of resistance as well so it's critical that we keep on top of those and and um, prevent a situation where we have populations that you know have really restricted options in terms of control yeah and look velocity registered for 28 weeds gus so there's a big spectrum there as well uh it is radish is certainly a, a big area for it but um have a look at the label as well uh people and um also you can get in from the two-leaf crop stage of those crops so very very important to get the weeds out of the way and make the most of the little moisture and all the nutrients and things that are there gus that's right so thanks gus mclennan it's been really good to catch up with you on bayer Cropcast, and we'll talk to you again in about another four or six weeks with it but don't forget listeners you can get in touch with gus and we'll give out some details at the end of it how you can get in touch with the technical field representatives at bayer thanks very much whitey good luck with the rest of the season Thanks, mate. So I'm joined now by Dr. Peter Batsalis from Plant Science Consulting based in Adelaide, and people would know, listeners, you would know that Peter does a lot of herbicide resistance testing or testing of weed seeds and also the quick tests with the green plants. So how are you today, Peter? Yeah, really good, thanks. On a pretty cool, not no rainfall, but the ground's nice and moist here in South Australia, which is, um, yeah, a good change. Yeah, fantastic. Look, very variable all around Australia at the moment, Peter. But, uh, yeah, we wanted to talk today about, you know, what the seed and quick testing has sort of found in the last couple of seasons and just maybe some of the major shifts. So, yeah, could you, I suppose, seeds that are collected, you know, in the lead-up to harvest time um, and around harvest, and then there's also in-field samples that are done through the quick test system. What have you sort of seen as a general macro view, Peter? Right, well, just to... Yeah, go there. One thing that we've really noticed in the last, between the 2018 season and the 2019 season, um, actually, sorry, 2017 and 18 season, is there's been a huge increase in the number of growers requesting pre-emergent herbicide testing. Mm-hmm. So it's basically gone from something like, um, say, in, in the 2017-18 season, now, 30 growers requesting uh, um, with Avidex to 100 in the next season. Wow. Or, or for Box of Gold, 43% or 43 growers in 2017-18 and 170 in 12 months later. So there's, there's a massive increase. Uh, Secura's gone from basically 50 growers requesting Secura testing two years ago to over 200 last wow. season. Yep. So there's been a massive increase in the, in the testing to pre-emergent herbicides and that's starting to produce you know some quite accurate results when you have a large large number things like glyphosate have, have stayed stable so there's still about 400 growers 
um, requesting glyphosate testing in in both seasons, and also to the to the post-emergent herbicides as well. That that hasn't really increased very much, but to the preems, it's been a massive increase. And and what we're sort of seeing there is in the, the latest the latest season that just passed, uh, about half of those samples showed some resistance to trilate, Tavidex. Um, 11% of of the sample showed resistance to box of gold, uh, 20% to prosulfocarb, and uh, 5% to Secura. So, you know, we are starting to see a little bit of resistance creeping into those prems. And now, because growers are concerned, they're, they're seeing some uh, ryegrass falling behind and, and they want to just be sure that it's it's resist if it's resistant or whether it's um, other factors that have caused it to survive. So that's been the major trend. Um, glyphosate resistance is still up around 40%. So 40% of the samples that we receive that request test, um, testing with glyphosate are confirmed resistant. So there's been no increase there between those two years, but it's still quite high. Um, atrazine, still very low, 4%, so really low. So for some reason, those group Cs are still highly active on ryegrass and, yeah, there's some reason why we're not selecting for resistance to atrazine and simazine. Do you check, so the, um, test broad, any broad leaves with atrazine? Do you ever get that request um, as well? Or? Yeah, we, we, we do, and we get the odd wild radish mm-hmm. and Indian hedge mustard sample, but I... I you know, it's not resistance is not exploding out of there. It's yeah. very few cases, but where um, guys at Adelaide Uni have done the testing, they've identified that the resistance mechanism is exactly the same as what the um, triazine canola has. Mm-hmm. So it's exactly the same. Only Mother, Na- Mother Nature has done the genetic work instead of um, you know us selecting for it using artificial methods. Yeah. So it's the same mechanism there. Mm. Um, in, in wild radish, 2,4-Ds increased. So in 2017-18, it was about 30% of the samples had resistance, and that's increased to 70%. So a lot of the wild, wild radish coming in, um, obviously there has there have been concerns in the paddock, and they've been confirmed as, as resistant in, in most cases. So that's been a big increase. Yeah. And also broad was gone from about 25% to about 50%. So there's been a doubling in broadal resistance and that's from almost 100 samples tested so it's quite reliable data so there's a fair bit coming in as well mm-hmm. um, things like velocity we've tested quite a few samples and we haven't identified any any resistance at all to velocity or any other group H's so they're still squeaky clean I guess also that group C chemistry combined there as well could be helping out in that sense, yep. Peter, the H, yeah, H group C, we know that combination yep. is very powerful in velocity, yeah. Yep, it's a yep, true synergism. Um, to, the, other, the other concerning ones are clethodim and um, factobutroxidim. And in, as I said earlier, in all of those years, there's been a massive amount of requests to have those tested. And we've seen that resistance to clathodim has increased from about 50% to 60%, so there's been a 10% increase um, over the, the two years. And similarly, actually exactly the same with factor, is resistance uh, has gone from 30% to 40%. So 40% of the samples we, we received in the past season were confirmed resistant to 180 grams of factor. So 
less so than cleft them, mm-hmm. but it's still there as well. Yep, so something to be aware of and going yep. forward, yep, just to keep a good eye on and perhaps include that in future requests, Peter. Yep, and um, with those, we do find that as we increase the rate of those dims, then the control often increases dra- uh, dramatically, and in many cases, you, you can get complete control of of dim-resistant ryegrass with a higher rate of, of, of a dim that's used in a pulse crop. Or mixtures of, of them together can often lead to um, complete control because you, you're increasing the load of, of both dims on that ryegrass. And obviously all those uh, types of techniques, understanding, getting this information or knowledge and then combining it with other you know weed control tactics, crop competition oh. and... You know, the seed destructors and harvest wind, oh, you know, seed control, they, they are, it's just so critical, but you need to know what they you're doing. They are, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So any of these, any ryegrass that's escaping herbicides, if it's being captured or killed, then you, you really are on the winner because you're not allowing that resistance to increase because resistance only increases when survivors set seed. If survivors uh, set seed, but that seed is destroyed, then um, resistance doesn't increase. Yeah, I was out in a uh, paddock in WA a few years ago with a father and son, you know, chatting away about some survivors in a paddock and the father was sort of looking at them going, oh, what are we going to do with these now? And the son said, well, we'll do whatever we we have to, Dad, because a dead weed is a dead weed. Yep, that's right. Um, the other concerning one, did I mention Trophorolin? Because that, that, is, that is one of the no, most important ones. No, you hadn't done that one in the preems. Obviously, no, rely on the yeah. pre-emergence a lot. So, yeah, how is Trophorolin yeah, tracking? Yeah, so, that, so that's, um, we've gone from a 30% uh, two seasons ago to 60%. So there's been a doubling in, in the Trophorolin resistance. So a lot of growers are concerned and are testing, and we are finding that uh, 60% of the samples that have come in, and that's from over 300 samples that have come in, they are 60% of those are resistant to trifluralin. So whereabouts are those trifluralin results? All, all around the country? Uh, all around the country, yep. Even even from WA, yep. we, we've had um, of we've had a lot of samples come in from WA, and uh, half of that, 50% of those, have been confirmed resistant to trifluralin. Mm. So even in in WA, where you know the random weed surveys, man, I uh, five years or 2015 when the last survey was done. Um, I think the next survey that will be done in WA will find a lot more trifluralin resistance mm-hmm. yeah. um, because it's being over-relied upon because it, it works well. But, it, uh, yeah, survivors are um, increasing the level of resistance. So, yeah, that's an important one. And we've, we've also used high rates of trifluralin. So the first results I just mentioned were at 2 litres. At 3 litres, you do get an improvement in control but we're still finding, um, we're still finding that even with three liters, we are getting survival. So plants obviously being left behind, they're cross pollinating. Ryegrass is an obligate outcrosser, so it's it's bulking up those resistance mechanisms, and the, the seeds, the progeny, are more resistant. So it's harder to kill with trifluralin high rates. Yep, interesting. No one, no one in Western Australia tests for sulfonylureas. Surprise, mm-hmm. surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of resistance there. But in the other states, just nationally, about 60% of the ryegrass that come, has come in for testing with sulfonylureas is, is resistant. But there are still, you know, like 40% of samples that are, are not 
not resistant, but they haven't come from WA. They've come from other parts of the other country. Parts. But that's where it's important, so, you know, the testing, because there may still be something that is effective. Absolutely. And if you write it off and assume it's okay, uh, or not okay, I should say, and then, yeah, it could have been a, still yep. a useful tool in the armoury. Yep. Sure, if you can use hussar in a wheat crop and to kill ryegrass, then that's a pretty amazing, um, you know, ability to have. Absolutely. Really So having that knowledge. Yep. Or using, you know, something like axial, to control ryegrass in a wheat crop, then that would be very useful because anything that's come through the pre-emergent herbicides can be taken out later in the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think same probably for Atlantis as well. That's another one that's probably been underrated for a while and a season like shaping up in parts of the country this year that could be an important compound to have as well or product to have. Yep, Yep. get in there with um, on brome and barley grass, all those grasses where it's really, you know, it works a lot better than some of the other uh, Group B herbicides as, as well. Um, yeah, and and probably the other, the other one, um, which is quite important, are the immies. And because uh, there's a lot of clear field crops out there and it's increasing all the time. And on in ryegrass, there's about 40% of them, of the ryegrass is resistant to the immies in both, both seasons. Uh, what we are not finding is any immie-resistant brome or barley grass, which is actually... Useful. You know, really positive, yeah. really positive, because um, that's where their their main use is for controlling those grasses, those hard to kill grasses with residual herbicides um, in in clearfield crops. So that that's a bonus that they keep on working. The emis for some reason keep on working on barley grass and brome and you know, any other any of the other species as well. Yeah, and I guess growers just need to make sure that listening that they um, weigh all those options up and what's useful for you, including, you know, what the market position might be because I I know there is a few little issues there, but um, people will get more information from other industry groups about that. Yep, and just with some of these herbicides, there are rate responses. So with the seed test or the quick test, what we can identify both, as I mentioned earlier, with clethodem or butroxidem or even with, say, glyphosate, um, increasing the rate can sometimes give complete control and it's really good to know that uh, it's good, and it's good to know that if increasing the rate isn't going to really improve so you don't waste time and money doing that and um, yeah, knowing to make another change so you get effective control in that season. Very good point, yep. And Peter, has there been any new weeds that were you know requested last out of the last couple of seasons or any major shifts in the weed types that you're seeing come through? Any, any new species? Oh, the ones that are giving a lot of grief, uh, or is winter grass to uh, people, uh, superintendents that are trying to control it in golf courses. Yep. That's the new multiple resistant uh, species. So, um, yeah, trying to kill it. And then that's one species that's developed resistance to propizomide. Mm-hmm. Um, in ryegrass, there are no confirmed propizomide resistant cases, but in winter grass, there is. And um, one of the projects that the PhD students here at Adelaide Uni, are, the project is investigating propizomide resistance and we need information on that so we can be ready for if it ever comes to ryegrass, we know exactly what we're dealing with. Mm, yep, and so just trying to see how different that is. Yeah, and I think you also, we may uh, do it in another Bayer crop cast another time, but you did have a little bit of a look at different uh, formulations of propizomide on that particular Grass, I think it was, wasn't it? The winter grass, yeah, sure. and you found big yeah. variability there as well. So, 
Yeah, we'll be doing. Yeah, we're doing further testing on on formulations just yeah. to get a little bit of a bit more accurate picture on things because um, yeah, there's a lot of um, yeah, incorrect information going out there. We haven't made any conclusions about any products or any formulation yeah. types, um, even though there are yeah, people out there claiming that you know one formulation is better than another with propizamide. Well, mm-hmm. we haven't really done the testing to show that, but you know we need to clear this up. Yeah, good. That's really important to know as well, and that's what uh, your testing service can provide really well, Peter. So sure. That's fantastic. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, look, in terms of summarising of those, a lot of numbers and details there, but I know you do produce a report for advisors or people will get a general sort of annual report, I guess, but also uh, the yep. Bayer Mix yep. It Up website can map this in a sort of graphical or a picture way on the map so you can put in your postcode yep. and get it, and that's at uh, mix it up com.au so mix it up um, au. If you, look, if you look for that on Bayer then uh, you can actually see all these results um, certainly mapped on the on the maps from whatever state yep. or postcode area you're in pretty useful that's right so what it'll flag up is a lot more truffle resistance in WA yep. that's, one of, that's been one of the big shifts yep. in and the past 12 months on that mix it up uh, resistance tracker you can actually see, you know, choose the year that you're interested in and then shift it to another year and see that change. So that'll be interesting yep. to have a look, Peter. So thanks very yep. much for, yeah, your updates on what's been going on there and what's coming up next, I guess. What's the next phase of resistance testing now? And obviously, you know, gearing up now for the quick tests to, yep. which is the green plant test from infield. Yeah, slowly, slowly trickling in. Yeah, slowly trickling in as uh, we get things growing. Finally, we've had some moisture in South Australia, so things are looking a little bit green. So that will start coming in over the next uh, three or four months. Fantastic. And there's a so, great video you can look up, Peter Batsalis, on Quick Test, and uh, you'll have a, see a video of Peter actually showing how to do one of those or get in touch with your local Bayer representative. Yep. It's just in, it's just really interesting to, um, to be able to walk into a paddock and see uh, there's some weeds that are, have, haven't been killed by herbicide um, what's going on here? We can actually test those for resistance, so it's good to be able to, you know, to have that test. Very useful to yeah. answer that that exact question. Not have, not saying, oh, I have to wait now for until seed set and collect some seed, and hopefully it doesn't shed and all that business. You can just send the plants right through, and um, test them, and get results within four weeks. It's the quick test name, people. So, oh, cool. well, look, thanks very much, Peter. That's been fantastic, and we will catch up with you again, no doubt, on Bayer Cropcast very soon. Cool. I'm joined by Richard Jackman, our technical field representative who lives in Toowoomba. How are you today, Richard? Good, buddy. How are you yourself? Yeah, going well, mate. Right over the other side of the country from you. But, uh, yeah, it's been really good. How's it looking um, in the area that you're working around at the moment? Well, mate, outside today, it's a, a nice, balmy sort of 25 degrees. Um, unfortunately, the weather over the last few weeks has been quite warm. We've sort of had mid-20s up into the 20s, so very good for... Um, those who are trying to plant that have only got marginal moisture. Yeah, so just uh, for everyone out there, Richard, whereabouts are you operating? What's your you know, technical field representative for Bayer and you work up in, obviously I said you're in Toowoomba, but where's the area of operation, I suppose? So, Woody, I, um, I cover off on both broadacre and horticulture. I um, cover from in central Queensland, up at Emerald, right down to the Liverpool Plains, which sort of covers in Tamworth, Corindai, Gunnedah area. 
So, oh yeah, yeah, I've been over there a few times uh, in the years past, and it's always a nice part of the world. But I've never worked deeply over there, so it sounds pretty good to me. Oh, it's good, mate. It's um, yeah, it's a nice little part of the world. I'm a, I'm a New South Wales, but like many of us, have migrated up into the sunny Queensland um, tropics. There you go, mate. All good. No worries. Now, what's going on around the area at the moment? And, you know, how is that season? You'd mentioned a little bit about it, but just give us a little bit more insight. What, you know, any key messages for listeners out there at the moment? About two to three weeks ago, we had some good rain um, through patches. Unfortunately, it was only storms. There was anywhere between five mils up to 40. Uh, the odd guy had 50, 60 mils. But as a general, it was pretty um, sort of marginal rain. There's patches that are still planting but for a lot of the guys um they're basically pulled up so the liverpool plains gunnada they had probably a little bit more a couple of consecutive falls their crops are um a lot of guys got their crops in We're, unfortunately um yeah they're, they're getting away and everything's growing quite quickly um which may cause a few issues later on but Back through the Glider Valley, which sort of covers off on Narrabri and Moree, uh, going to Windy area, they didn't get quite the rainfall, and there's some um, pretty patchy plant stands of those guys that took the putt and got their crop in. And then there's a lot of the guys are talking um, to this week have actually pulled up planting. They, the moisture got away on them, so a bit of bad luck. Not much has happened on the um, Darling Downs at this stage. Traditionally, we don't start planting till sort of mid June, um, into July. Uh, we're really and now we're really waiting on a good rain event to, for those guys to get going. So hopefully it'll come in June. Yeah, so a bit of <clears throat> variability there, just like uh, all around the the countryside, Richard. It's um, pretty dry in Western Australia at the moment as well. So a lot of dry sowing going on, but where there are some early crops coming up, you know, it opens up a whole raft of I suppose questions, and that's what you and I do is to help people along with our Bayer representatives that are on the ground, other Bayer people, to uh, help them out with our products and services. Yeah, that's right, mate. It's, um, there's some pretty difficult decisions. A um, few, few early questions are just starting to come through on um, barley crops and a little bit of ryegrass in patches that they didn't get their pre-emergence down. So crops that are bolting away a little bit quicker than they expect, and as is the ryegrass. But um, it's that's mainly down in the Liverpool Plains. They're having those issues, most of the guys in the north. We don't have many weeds. We're flat out getting the crop out of the ground, unfortunately. So, yeah, so yeah. Get, <clears throat> get it out. But yeah, with uh, variable germinations and things, you know, there's some options to talk to Bayer about perhaps in, um, you know, how you can optimise it for a range of crop stages when the crop's fully up. That's right. Man. Yeah. Well, my focus at the moment's, I'm just sort of finishing up some horticultural trials. I've uh, done a, just finishing up the last assessments on some avocado uh, trials for a fungicide. But now I'm trying to, really desperately trying to find some um, trial sites for um, some of our pre-emergent technology and we've uh, we've got a trial site which will be our, probably our big focus on the Darling Downs on um, near Pampas. Uh, there's a big field day coming up um, or planned at this stage for October. Um, supposed to be planting this week but we've had a few issues with the irrigator and hopefully that'll mean that late next week or early next week we'll be um, back in there. But uh, I've got one trial site down um, into some barley for uh, with our new pre-emergent herbicide that we're looking at. And, um, yeah, really now I'm looking for new sites. And hopefully the next rain event, everyone tells me the next rain event they'll have a site, but um, we're just waiting on when that next rain event will come. Yeah, certainly the rain is the driver of it all, isn't it? That's right, yeah. So... 
<laughs> you mentioned back there, Richard, a little bit that you'd been doing some work in avocados and, and fungicides. So, you know, just what what is the fungicide or what's what have you been doing in that specifically? Well, the um, Serenade Opti is a um, pretty novel and um, interesting product that we've been working with. Um, Serenade Opti is um, basically, it's a bacteria that's produced its own toxins that, that has a very wide range is probably the best way of describing it, um, activity on a range of diseases. Um, we've been looking at in the avocados on stem end rot and anfracnose control and um, comparing it to the industry standard, which is copper. And Opti is doing a really good job there. So Sounds really interesting. So that's a biological product, obviously. So yeah, 100% biological. Excellent. Oh, it sounds really good. So, yeah, there's certainly a lot of avocados down here in the southwest of Australia as well. And, yeah, Serenade yep. Opti, obviously quite interesting. And a range of other crops. I believe there were some new registrations just recently with Serenade Opti. Uh, we're registered in um, tomatoes, capsicums, chilies, and um, grapes at the moment with the new registration for avocados and mangoes coming just coming through um, where there's a registration um, pending for one of its um, sister products Serenade Prime coming for bananas as well so for a range of diseases in the banana industry so there's um, being a biological there's a few the industry are quite keen to slot it in um, and we have got some permits potentially coming through for vegetables. Fantastic. Oh, people can get more information from yourself or indeed Bayer by going to crop.bayer.com.au and there's contact details there to get in touch with us. So we might do a, a whole segment, Richard, at some point on these biological products and uh, give listeners a bit more. But in the meantime, they can get in touch with us anytime. That's a good idea, Whitey, because um, there, there is a we've got an interesting suite now with tag team also coming into the uh, portfolio. Absolutely, mate. All business. complementary to each other, and uh, may have you know suit different farming operations in different ways. But that's what yours and my job is: is to help people understand how they can fit with you. So that'd be great to have yep. a talk to you about it at another point. But yeah, for now, I think that's about it, mate. Ah, good, Whitey. Good to catch up. Uh, always good, Richard, to catch up with you. So that was Richard Jackman, our technical field representative based up in Toowoomba and travelling all around the countryside up there and can help make the most out of Bayer products or give you great advice. Well, g'day, Tim. You're my colleague based over in South Australia. So, Tim Murphy, whereabouts do you live and where do you operate, mate? Oh, g'day, Craig. How you going? Um, yeah, look, based up in the Adelaide Hills, um, just bought a little property up there, so... Getting Lovely. used to uh, the cold weather, but yeah. uh, that's life. And um, yeah, look, I've got the fortunate, uh, fortunate pleasure, I think, of working over the whole state. So um, all the way across to uh, the Air Peninsula, York Peninsula, and down the southeast and the mid north. So not a bad little spot. Yeah, pretty uh, nice and varied, and yeah, beautiful up in the Adelaide Hills. But getting out and about in those vast, you know, array of different, I suppose, cropping zones and you know sheep and pasture zones as well it's pretty good tim yeah no it's a very interesting little area excellent yeah so you know what's how's the season started over in south australia this this year you know and what's happening right now during june yeah no we've had a um a good start may was a probably a little bit later start than what a lot of people like but um i think it was a pretty good start in the way that Oh, for the month, a lot of people got anywhere between 70 mils right up to over 100 mils. So, wow, yeah, fantastic. a lot of crops that were planted uh, dry have now picked up um, and really responded. There's quite a few people sweating on uh, follow-up rain because they planted all their canola dry. 
they've got that. And look, things are set up really well. So, yeah, um, interesting little thing that uh, some of the questions I've been getting this year has really come about from the result of literally no rain up until the break and um, no fallow cleanup, which left quite a weed bank there. And you can see that in the level of uh, phone calls that we're getting about taking out uh, broadleaf weeds and cereals, um, you know, whether they're going with a jag or a, a, a velocity. Um, but, you know, the one comment that I've got is that Sakura has provided excellent control and, you know, like normal, lived up to expectations and doing its job. Terrific. Yeah, it is, certainly is. A, uh, a great performer under a range of conditions in, in the west at the moment, you know, very dry over here and actually quite cold in the southern part of the state where I am, but sometimes the daytime temperatures up north are, are getting into the mid-20s still. But, yeah, when it's dry, you know, Sakura can sit there and wait and it will reactivate or get activated when the conditions um, wet up a little bit. So that's what we're hoping for. But uh, where you are, you've had great results so far on those grass weeds that you're seeing. Yeah, and the where it was put out dry and um, rained up sort of, you know, a couple of days later after planting, it's done a superb job. So Perfect. you guys should be right still over there. Yeah, that's no, fantastic. So, yeah, I've talked about that on other crop casts and other things that, you know, um, just be aware of what you've got. And there's great resources too at sakuraherbicide.com.au. That's a website where we have a lot of information on, you know, how to get the best out of Sakura and what to expect um, depending on the conditions you've been dealt with this season. Yeah. Now, in terms of the broadleaf weeds you mentioned there as well, so, you know, cereal crops coming along nicely and, like I suppose, you know, what are the general crop stages there at now? You know, one, two leaf or a little bit more advanced? Yeah, been uh, the crop stages. We're up to oh, probably that two leaf now, which is which is really good, and guys Perfect. can get in there because yep. I've had a lot of people ring saying, "Look, label states we can't go in and start spraying before the two leaf stage." Um, so yeah, those weeds have come through very early. The broadleaf, so a lot of cape weeds coming through, a lot of volunteer um, canola in the rotation. So yeah, we've um we've had a little bit of fun taking some of that sort of stuff out, but um yeah, people are getting their head around it and getting some really good results. Oh, that's fantastic, and I think that's the key thing in years like these ones. You really want to get those weeds out of the way early. And Velocity is an example of a great product from Bayer that's very successful. You can get in there from the two leaf crop stage in wheat and barley and get the weeds out of the way. And some great research done back in the nineteen nineties in South Australia actually. Uh, which really showed the importance of getting on top of the weeds. You know, don't let them rob the, uh, you know, the moisture and nutrition that's there. And velocity, yeah, because it's safe in those crops, nice and early. Twenty-eight weeds too. There's a whole spectrum of weeds that you can really use velocity for, Tim. So perfect conditions, and yeah, we'll be relying on that a lot in the west this season too. Just given the, you know, we haven't really been able to get very good knockdowns at whatever. So we expect a lot of weeds coming up with the crop. And uh, if you have to wait, you know, like phenoxy based ones or other herbicides, you have to wait for a while, then it's a bit of an issue. But Velocity is a great option. Yeah, and we're getting, as I said, getting some great results over here. Yeah. Now, you're, um, you've been doing a lot of trial work, as I have been. So we're getting a lot of pre and post emergent sort of stuff set up and also seed treatment trials. So, do you want to talk a little bit about what you've got going on in the great state of South Australia and, you know, some, you know, perhaps sites that people might want to come out and have a look at later in the season? Yeah, look, um, I've had uh, actually a little bit of a slow week this week. It's been raining, so we've uh, 
yeah, been able to actually catch my breath. But over the last probably three weeks, we've done a lot of work where we've got out the um, most of the pre-emergent trials, um, sprayed prior to planting, a couple of, uh, you know, the um, post-seeding pre-emergent uh, sprays have gone out too. Yep. So we've done, we've got all those in and um, we've actually planted up a couple of seed treatment trials as well um, where it's going to be an interesting little trial where we're not putting too much into the trial. We've got some barley with the, that's got about a 5% loose smut infection on the seed mm-hmm. where we've then actually inoculated it with some rhizo, um, inoculum. So rhizoctonia, um, yeah, rhizoctonia bear rhizoctonia. patch inoculum, yep. Yep, and we've also then... I've gone and spread some um, stubble from some pretty badly uh, infected um, barley crops last year. So we've then also got it looking at foliar diseases as well. So we'll follow that through with an aviator spray up against some other fungicides. And um, look, it's going to be quite a lot of information coming out of that trial, but I think it really starts answering some of those questions about what a seed treatment does and also the importance of that, um, that first foliar um, fungicide spray. Yeah, and so that's been a, a very interesting little one to do. Yeah, and very good. And certainly, you know, also showing, I suppose, with Aviator in particular, that mix of complementary modes of action because obviously fungicide resistance is a, you know, a, a growing concern, but there are ways to manage it. And obviously, a trial like that one will really help growers out there and advisors get some good information in their own patch. Yeah, no, it's really looking at that SDHI. Um, what it happens if you use it as a seed treatment, what's the consequences then later if you have a mm-hmm. you know, a level of foliar infection, yep. what products you're limited to and what you can't use um, versus an Evergold Energy where you can come in with a nice aviator later and really set that crop up for a, a good, um, good clean crop when those uh, money leaves come out. That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of um, products being launched, I suppose, onto the market and, you know, just... I think I always warn that they are products, they're names. Um, it's really worth looking at what the active ingredients are and the strategy that's in there, and that's what we will be able to talk about or really would like to talk about and help people get their heads around that because um, they're not all like for like, and you know, I'd liken it to use the best tool for the job. It's a bit like using a butter knife to tighten a screw. You know, you can do it, but you might uh, bugger it up and not be able to use a good tool later on. So anyway, come along to some of the field walks and field days and you'll understand what Tim and I are talking about here. So whereabouts will you be sort of, uh, whereabouts are your trials this year? What sort of areas all over the state, I imagine? Oh, yeah, no, I've got a um, a nice little uh, routine at the moment. We've got a couple of trials over on the... uh, the Air Peninsula, and then we've got some hubs this year. I've set up a couple of hubs where we've got probably four or five trials within a 10-minute drive of each other. Terrific. So the aim is that we can come there at quite a few different times in the year when there's really some good things to see. And, um, you know, you can get an update on a lot of what's going on and watch that crop grow through. So, um, yeah, we've got probably three of those sites set up in the, the mid-north um, and then one down at Keith's. So it's it's pretty good that um, no matter where you are, if you want to have a look at something, there'll be there'll be a, a one close by. You yeah. know, some people may have to travel a bit, but um, there's good information once you do get there. Yeah, good, very accessible and makes a, a good good day out or a few good days out. So we'll keep in touch and update people um more and more as we go through the season so it sounds really good tim 
Yeah, no, should be a good season. Just let uh, hope the rains keep coming. So thanks, Tim. It's been really good to catch up with you and get you know information on what's happening in South Australia. And you know, it's like the, our whole team right around the country. You know, we are here. We're available to talk to you, show you the trial work and what have you. And um, yeah, Tim, thanks very much um, for being on Bayer Cropcast today. Yeah, no, thanks, um, Craig. It's been a good little chat and I look forward to talking a bit later in the year. Good on you. See you later, mate. Okay, bye now. Thanks for joining us on Bayer Cropcast. To get more information about anything you heard on today's episode, phone 1800 804 479 to get in touch with us or visit the web at crop.bayer.com.au. Thanks for listening.